Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today is the first collaboration episode for The Green Rush, or collabs as I think the kids call them these days, as Lewis joins Melissa Goldberg, host of the Eat Well, Travel Often podcast, and also Lewis's wife, as they speak with Jeff the 420 Chef, also known as the Julia Childs of Cannabis. Jeff the 420 Chef is one of the nation's first private chefs to cook, cater, and serve cannabis-infused meals. He started this career as a hobby back in 2013 and then turned it into a full-time cannabis catering business. Jeff is also the best-selling author of the cookbook, The 420 Gourmet, which is packed with tons of great marijuana-infused recipes, as well as a super handy CBD and THC-serving calculator. Besides all of that, he's also working with a team to develop one of the first ever cannabis cafes in California. If you like food, cannabis, and podcasts, then this episode is for you. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our conversation with Jeff, the 420 chef. Hi, honey. Hi, Lewis. So for the listeners of the Green Rush podcast, um, the honey on the other side is not Anne. It's my real honey, my wife, Melissa Goldberg. Um, we are collaborating for the very first time on a two-show podcast. So Melissa hosts a podcast called Eat Well, Travel Often, um, and I'll let her explain it. And you, you all know what the Green Rush is. So Melissa... What's Eat Well, Travel Often? Well, first, it's a collab. That's what the kids called it. It's not a collaboration. <laughs> oh, okay, it's a, col a collab. <laughs> so um, Eat Well, Travel Often is started out as my podcast about just food and travel. And since I started in January, it's kind of now moving into everything that I've been interested in, mindfulness, um, the environment, food, community. And I guess everybody gets to listen to what I want them to hear, what's close to me and how I want to form a community and teach teach them how we connect. We connect through food. We connect through travel. We connect through doing things together. And um, I've been talking to cookbook authors. I've been talking to travel experts, foragers, people in the health and wellness industry, my friend who has a meditation studio. So anything that kind of betters your life. And you also actually do cookbook tests. So you'll actually make the stuff from the cookbooks that you review. Um, and I can tell you that if anybody ever has a chance to eat Melissa's cooking, do it. She is a phenomenal cook. I am, I, I, I am often amazed that I am not obese, given how good you cook. Well, thank you, Lewis. But you're a good, t you're a good cook too. Um, so with that, we just had the most fascinating conversation with Jeff, the 420 chef. Um, who is this guy? How did you find him? What's well, the deal? I believe I found him uh, through this cookbook. He has this cookbook, The 420 Gourmet. And I was like, oh, we got to get this. I thought you would like it. And I just wanted to see how he did it. And when I got it, I was pretty amazed at not only the recipes, but how he created a calculator to really figure out the correct dosing and the strength of your can of butter and your can of oil that he uses in all his recipes. So I had been trying to get you just to do it on the green rush, but since now I started a podcast, I thought it was a great time to speak to him and we can get the business of cannabis and the edibles side too. It was awesome. Um, thank you for bringing him to my attention. Uh, and I really enjoyed doing this. You know, this was fun. We'll find another one. We will. Okay, and with that, 
on to our conversation um, on the Green Rush and Eat Well, Travel Often with Jeff, the 420 Chef. Jeff, welcome to the Green Rush. Um, really excited to have you on. And um, I'm really excited that this is the first collaborative podcast that I've ever been a part of. Um, I, we're talking uh, with my wife, Melissa Goldberg, the host of the Eat Well, Travel Often podcast. Hi, honey. Hi. Yes, Jeff, we're very excited to have you here over at Eat Well, Travel Often. Um, and this will be, yes, the first one we will collab together because now we get to talk about everything you love, cannabis, and everything I love, food. Awesome. I'm honored to be a part of it. Thanks for having me on. So I, I, my first question for you, Jeff, is how did you start this? Like, where? what's your background? Are you a chef? Did you go to cooking school or? No, um, I, I tell you, it's a crazy story. Um, I had been a marketing executive in the fashion industry for over 30 years. I always loved cooking, always loved baking. And um, it was just really a hobby of mine. I was never trained, you know, I just was cooking like anybody else does for their family and friends. And uh, then um, a couple of people in my life um, were diagnosed with uh, terminal cancers. One was, um, uh, somebody in our immediate family, um, and also the other one was a, my best friend's mom, uh, one with an operable uh, brain tumor and the other one with ovarian cancer. And they both had medical marijuana cards, but they didn't want to smoke. And they had also both enjoyed my cooking and baking, but, you know, and then they figured, hey, let's try edibles. You know, let's see if we can get the cannabis into the edibles. So I started cooking uh, with cannabis in cookies and brownies, the same way anybody does. I use the old tried and true crock pot method for making can of butters and can of oils and, you know, I was trying to make cookies and uh, cupcakes and stuff, but they did not taste good at all. Uh, they worked. They were very potent. You know, we could never really um, dial in the potency. So it was really a crapshoot. And um, I was challenged by both of them and also a couple of their friends who were tasting my stuff as well, you know, to try to figure out a way to take out the taste of the cannabis from my uh, can of butters and can of oils. That way, they'd be e it'd be easier for them to eat. They'd be a lot more tasty. And especially if you're suffering from something like cancer and you're you know already going through chemotherapy, which takes away from the appetite, um, you're not going to want to eat anything that's going to make you nauseous again. I mean, it's not what you want. So I spent about a year and a half to figure out how to take out the taste of the cannabis from the can of butter and can of oil. Um, thank God I was very successful and did it and, uh, called a friend of mine who was, uh, wait, 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 how did you do it? Uh, you don't, don't give any way trade, no trade, no trade secrets, but like, like yeah, no trade secrets. I'll tell you, I, what, what I can tell you is this, I figured out, I just studied the plant. Like, you know, I was passionate about trying to understand every compound in this plant and understanding what compounds were medicinal, what compounds are responsible for odor and taste. Um, once I understood that, I came up with different ways to remove certain compounds that were responsible for the odor and taste, while at the same time leaving in the compounds that were the medicine, right? The THC and the CBD specifically, as well as other cannabinoids uh, in the plant. So it took me about a year and a half to figure it out. Um, and then I ended up making a batch of cupcakes with my first batch of tasteless oil. And uh, I thought I messed it up because the cupcakes had zero cannabis taste. But all of a sudden, about two and a half hours later, I was standing in my pajamas in CVS in the snack aisle, wondering <laughs> why I was there and what I was supposed to get. You're like the Albert Hoffman of, of cannabis, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's really it's a hysterical story. And I was just like, oh, my God, I really am super high right now. So the good thing is I lived right across the street from uh, CVS and, you know, <laughs> went back home and I was, uh, I called my best friend and said, I think I just figured out how to take out the taste of cannabis from my edibles. But what about, what about the terpenes? So like, you know, there, the, ter you know, there's tremendous amount of, of medical benefit to all of the different terpenes and scent and flavor. Sure. But let me explain to you about terpenes, stuff that people actually need to know. Terpenes are very, very volatile. Terpenes burn off starting at 100 degrees, and by the time you hit 100 degrees, you've burnt off the majority of your terpenes. People that really want terpene benefits from cannabis can either get them from raw plants or from very low temperature vaping. The second you cook with cannabis and you go above 100 degrees, and you know that when you cook with cannabis, you're usually cooking or baking in the 300, like 325, 50 degrees, 
you are burning off those ter those terpenes and the chlorophyll and the flavonoids, and all that you're getting is that really danky, beady taste. So if you know about different strains of cannabis, I'll give you two strains that have very different flavor profiles and terpene profiles. One of them is forbidden fruit, and another one is green crack, right? Now, those have very pronounced uh, flavor profiles, but when you cook with them, your can of butter and can of oil will always taste the same. It's going to taste like burnt terpenes and burnt chlorophyll. On top of that, if you go up too high on certain terpenes, those terpenes can convert terrible chemicals such as benzene you don't want in your body. So people need to understand that you know, cooking with cannabis is a science. And when you're cooking with cannabis, you're actually changing the molecular structure of the compound in the plant. And specifically, the terpenes can convert to other things that are not good for you. So I take them all out. Um, there's a time and place for everything. Terpenes, and by the way, just so you know, terpenes can be found in actual food sources. So the same limonene that you're finding, let's say, in a cannabis tree, you're going to get in a, in an, a lemon or a lime or any citrus fruit. So your body doesn't know whether or not the terpene is a cannabis terpene or a terpene from a lemon. It just knows that it's a terpene and it likes that terpene. So you can add in the terpene benefits by adding a food that has the same exact terpene to complement the edible that you're serving if you took out that terpene from the cannabis before you made the edible. So when you, de when you develop a recipe and you're tinkering with recipes, can you just convert, use the can of oil or the can of butter like as a substitute, or do you have to reconfigure these recipes? So the truth is you can if you really wanted to, but what I do is I'll take just a little bit of the can of butter or can of oil, and I'll add it to the recipe. So if your if your recipe, let's say, calls for two sticks of butter, but if you let you have my cookbook, so you know that I teach you in the cookbook how to figure out dosing, and I have a calculator online um, that will help you figure out dosing as well as an app that's coming out that's going to help you do that as well. But if you know the potency of the can of butter or can of oil that you made, and let's say that it comes out to be 40 milligrams a teaspoon in the butter, you can just substitute out one teaspoon of the butter in your recipe with that one teaspoon of can of butter and have 40 milligrams of THC homogenized throughout your recipe. So the way I have a question, the calculator, how did you figure that out? Like that's. So I worked the lab, CW analytics. Um, and I realized that, you know, it, there's never a one-to-one -one ratio when you're putting cannabis into anything and you're infusing. So if you're, for example, infusing can of butter um, with cannabis and you're doing it using my French press method, there's going to be lost factors along the way. There's lost factors in the rinsing and the blanching. There's lost factors in the, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the product, the actual butter that would stick to the uh, inside of the French press and also to the cannabis leaf. So there are lost factors along the way. And we calculated those lost factors out once we knew how potent the final butter was that we had. So if I started out with a strain, let's say, of, uh, you know, 20% THC, and I put it into... You know, uh, let's say I took eight grams of 20% THC and put it into two sticks of butter. You would think that the the uh, THC potency would just be 20% in that amount of butter, but it's not because the losses along the way are pretty pronounced. Um, one of the things that I figured out was that the trichomes on a lot of buds are not indigenous to that exact bud. The mm -hmm. trichomes on the buds are also from buds that was next to it that broke off things that, you know, were in the bag or in the jar that stuck to it. So, you know, you, I get rid of all that. All that's left is what's indigenous to the actual bud. But the cool thing is that we're increasing the potency per gram because we're reducing the weight after we decarb the product. Do you um, take into account how the, the butter is going to react with the food itself? You know, as you mentioned um, you know, everything has its own terpenes in it, right? Lemons have a ton of lemonine in it. And, you know, there, I mean, there are five or six major terpenes out there. As you are cooking, do you think about those interactions or is it, you don't have to worry about that. They just, they all play well in the, the sauce pot. Yeah, they all play well in the sauce pot once you get down to that level. So, you know, what I do is I now, I bring the plant down to its molecular structure, which is just the cellulose of the plant and the trichome that houses the THC and the CBD. And this has been tested by, you know, the five top labs here in California. We have not reduced any of the potency 
when we've also made it a lot more available to the recipe by removing all the other compounds. So it homogenizes really well within the recipe. Um, are you, you're sending out your can of butter and your can of oil to be tested before you're, you're cooking. Is that how it works? I mean, how, and do you batch it? So you say, I'm going to, you know, I make a, you know, a couple pounds of butter and send off a, a piece of it. So you know that each, how, how does it work? Like how does the, that, that side. That's exactly how it works. So, you know, we'll make a big batch of butter or oil um, for events that we know are coming up or whatnot. Uh, it's a pretty quick process because we don't have that much time and the labs are really great with us. But, you know, um, the, the way we have to do it here in California, because my license um, is not yet 100% activated, um, you know, we have our Monica's, lounge, Monica's House um, uh, Lounge in West Hollywood that are opening that has a license attached to it for us to be able to sell product. We can't sell through that license just yet until we open up in the summer. So to get around uh, the laws here, or to do it properly, the individuals that we cook for have to supply the cannabis to us about two weeks before um, their events. So we can then take it, put it through the process, make the can of oil, make the can of butter, send it out for testing, get the dosing. Um, and then that can of butter or can of oil becomes their property. And then I'll go over to their home uh, and I'll cook for them with their products. So they basically just, you know, pay me for culinary services and the can of butter or can of oil is free. So we haven't actually taken a moment to explain who you are and what you do. Jeff, Jeff, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> who am I? I am a Jeff the 420 chef. Um, they call me the Julia Child of Weed. And I am a chef that cooks with cannabis. Um, I had started out about 10 years ago, like I mentioned, dabbling to people, you know, who are ill medicating with cannabis. But when I figured out how to take out that cannabis odor and flavor from the butter and oils I was making for my edibles, um, the Daily Beast wrote an article about me and they called me Julia Child of Weed. And as soon as that happened, the gates opened up and uh, I'm sorry, I there's no way called. you're the Julia Child of Weed. You're a baritone and she was a soprano. Actually, <laughs> no, no, I think she was more in between. I don't know. She was, you know, she talked like this. I got it down. <laughs> but anyway. I'm going to trust the chicken. Exactly, exactly. Whoop, there it goes. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, so uh, I started doing a lot of these. As soon as that came out, um, other chefs contacted me. And they said, you know, um, we would love to learn how to make, you know, your light tasting can of butter or can of oil. I said, okay, that's fine. As long as you teach me some skills because I'm not trained. And these chefs, by the way, that were calling me were very, very well-known chefs, some of them, and executive chefs from well-known restaurants. And you'll start seeing a lot of these, these things popping up between New York and California as things legalized. Um, but I taught these guys and women, you know, how to cook with cannabis. And they taught me their skills. And before I knew it, I was an award-winning cannabis chef. <laughs> and um, now I'm doing celebrity parties and opening up the world's first cannabis edibles lounge in West Hollywood. Um, and, and, and just invented a really cool product, which is called culinary cannabis, uh, which is something that's going to make it really simple and easy for people to cook with and also dose with. Wait, so can you explain that? What What do you mean? Is, is it grow grown or the can, the culinary cannabis? Is it a different strain? Different plant? So what I do is I can work with any strain, and I typically work with what they call smalls and uglies, which are the bottom of the plant that have a much lower value. And then I'll put them through my process to increase the value of the offering. So we'll take those smalls and uglies, put them through our process. It's a very meticulous three-day, 21-step process to trade secret. Um, but what we do is, again, we remove the compounds from the plant responsible for odor and taste. And then what I'm able to do is take it down to its base-based structure where the cellulose of the plant becomes porous. And then I have this machine that I invented that will take any herb, for example, that I put into the machine, allow that herb to off-gas. And then if I put the cannabis in the other side of the machine, the cannabis will absorb the odor and flavor of whatever it is I put there. So for example, if I put oregano in the machine, then the um, oregano off-gases and the cannabis re uh, takes up the odor and taste of the oregano and now we call that no oregano, and it tastes <laughs> exactly like oregano. So you can sprinkle it on your pizza, and you can put it in a pasta sauce and do, you know, whatever else you want to do with it. But it's also, oh we have that tested as well. Oh, my God. So you're going to have like you're gonna have a whole new section in the supermarket, in the spices section. You're going to have the... Oh, we totally can. I can't wait till that happens. You know, we're the only ones that are doing it, obviously. It's, a, you know, it's trade secret. 
So is that is that patent is that patented or patent pending? It's it's not patented because we figure that it's such a it's such a difficult process that you know let other people try to figure it out, but we'll be first in the market with it. And since it's a trade secret, we're also protected by trade secret law. So we have that going on. But if I were to patent it, then I have to publish how I do it. And if I publish how I do it, then some other company, will, you know, copy it and say, sue me. And I don't want to deal with that. I just don't want to deal with the uh, you know, legalities of a cannabis company trying to sue a non-cannabis company over something. You know, and then I, I, I'm not going to spend money to do that. I'd rather keep it a trade secret and say, hey, go for it. See if you can do it, you know. And by so, the way, there's no chemicals or additives. It's a, it's a complete um, molecular gastronomy process. So you make you do dinners for, and I read somewhere that they're low dose. So does that mean like you keep a steady high all the way through? Are you not getting high, or like what are the advantages of a low dose dinner? Yeah. So what we do is something called layered microdosing. So we'll take every every uh, course in that meal will have a very low dose item. So for example. We're going to start you off. Let's say we start you off with pizza bites, right? Those pizza bites might be one and a half milligrams a piece, right? As you move towards the dinner, you'll probably go up to about 10 milligrams. Now, some people need more than that, and we talk to them, and we work Wait, with them. Wait, 10, 10 milligrams in, to in total or per course? In total, yeah, in total, in total. Most people are fine, believe it or not, with 5 to 10 milligrams. But there are some people that are like, oh, my God, I, I can't feel anything unless it's 50 milligrams. I'm like, all right, fine. You know, we'll work with you, but just start out with the first couple courses because the culinary cannabis, by the way, kicks in in 20 to 30 minutes max, which is much faster than all the other edibles out there. Edibles typically kick in in about two hours. So people don't know how to get to two hours later. But with the culinary cannabis, and that's one of the reasons why we'll start out with something like the pizza bites, will kick in within 20, 30 minutes. You'll know how you're feeling whether you, if you have, let's say, let's say you started with two and a half milligrams or three milligrams, you had two pizza bites, each is a milligram and a half. You start out with those three milligrams, like, you know what, I'm starting to feel something now. So then you can start titrating yourself up throughout the dinner. And most people, I would say 95 or higher percent of the people at our dinner parties typically stop with the cannabis dosing between five and 10 milligrams. That did not happen, by the way, at the dinner that Melissa and I hosted a couple of years ago. We had a, a friend come in and cook for us, and he's he's actually an edibles manufacturer in New York. Um, and uh, long story short, we probably had between 100 and 150 milligrams each at dinner. <laughs> I have never don't been Don't include that, me in no, that because you. I'm the only one who was good. <laughs> yes. But but like literally uh, all of my guests who who oh, not my guests our guests I'm sorry uh, called me the next day you know at like midday going I'm still high and I can't stand it anymore it was it was not happens yeah you know yeah, that's why we do the low dosing that's why it's so important to actually I think you know because for us it's all about having a really nice dinner and walking away from that dinner as if you had two or three glasses of wine feeling really good and waking up really fresh the next morning. And that's why we are really big on the low dosing. How do you make money? How, how does this work financially? So financially what happens is, you know, like I mentioned earlier, our guests, or our host, our host and dinner party is going to send us the cannabis to make the can of butter, can of oil. That's all free of charge. But the dinner party they'll book, you know, based on how many people they're going to have at the dinner party, the menu, and basically they're, they, they pay us for our culinary chefing services. And we also sell our cookbook, you know, which happens to be, I believe, it's one of the best-selling cannabis cookbooks on Amazon now. Um, we've sold almost 15,000 of the copies. Um, wow. So that's exciting, yeah. So can you walk us through, like, what would a typical meal be? Like, what would you... I mean, I guess you base it on the preferences of the people, but do you do an appetizer, uh like, tell us what, like, a, what one of your best meals. Just, just make us all hungry. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we usually start off with a cannabis aperitif, you know, something to just a, a little um, cannabis infused mocktail before. Um, you know, what, we're, what we've been doing lately since it's California, um, you know, in the summertime, we're doing spritzers. So, you know, you might do a Hamica spritzer um, that actually is infused with cannabis. Um, we also have a 420. Irish cream that I invented, which we do at a lot of, you know, a lot of events as well. 
uh, which oh, tastes just like Bailey's, but it's I, I want that. Juice. I want there that. There you go. So, and, and that that's typically, um, you know, those are about one to two milligrams each. And then from there, like, for example, we'll do the pizza bites or something that would use one of our um, uh, herbs. We actually just did um, rosemary jane sourdough crostinis. Oh, so we no. took our rosemary jane. Yes. It's actually, if you go to my Instagram, there's a picture of the rosemary jane um, sourdough bread there. Hold on. What, is your, Instagram, what is your Instagram handle? It's uh, Jeff the 420 chef Awesome. Wait, I have a wait. That tr- that drink. Do you have alcohol in it or no? No. So it's really it's really cool. The recipe is online actually. But what we do is we'll take um, Jameson uh, Irish whiskey and we'll burn off the alcohol, and then we'll just use a Jameson syrup and we'll combine that with uh, some sweetened condensed milk, some coffee, and some chocolate, and a couple other things, and whip it up, and it tastes just like Bailey's. It's it's incredible. People call it chocolate milk for adults. <laughs> and they, they can't it. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We do like nice big, nice big shots for everybody. I, I'm an, I'm an adult. You, uh, you just take the hint, take the hint. I'm an adult. I may act like a child, but I, I have an ID that says I'm an adult. I love it. So, so that's how we'll start you off with, you know, a little, with a drink. And then we'll do like, for example, those Christini's as an appetizer you know, and as people are getting into it and drinking and enjoying the pass arounds and stuff, um, then, you know, we'll do an appetizer. Uh, the appetizer, one, one really popular appetizer is our hazy Thai wings, which basically are um, like Thai street wings that are infused. And each wing is about a milligram to a milligram and a half. But we will always serve alongside the infused wings, non-infused, a non-infused version. So you can have six wings, but you probably only want to take one or two infused wings. Right. So you can take whatever That's you really want smart. Don't know what is and what isn't. So we always have, you know, what we call virgin items, you know, um, alongside that. And then we'll go to a main course. And the main might be, I don't know, oh, the other night we did a, lamb, a rosemary lamb with um, cauliflower, with a smoked cauliflower. And um, uh, I think we did a, uh, we did like a broccoli mash, which is actually pretty cool. Um, and just the sauce. The um, uh, the sauce we put on the lamb, we had a little mint sauce, a little mint jelly that was infused. So the so the entire main was not infused, but the sauce was infused. And again, with about two milligrams of THC. So you see how this is going, how it's building up. And then afterwards, we'll have like two desserts. And we had my famous can apple roses, and we had chocolate chip cookies um, at the last event. How often are you doing these dinners? Uh, depends on the time of year. <laughs> Holiday time, it's a lot. Um, this time of year, it's probably about once every two weeks or so. How big is the largest party that you've done? How, how many people, I mean, literally, how many people have you gotten high at once? <laughs> uh, I've, so I did, I catered the uh, North Caltanic Cuisine up in Sonoma County about a year and a half ago, and that was for 200 people. Uh, NorCal's a, NorCal, you're talking NorCal Cannabis? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, so NorCal, you know, Northern California, they had the yeah. NorCal Cannabis Cuisine, which is a big dinner uh, honoring Steve D'Angelo, oh. who is basically the, uh, the, the, the granddaddy of uh, cannabis legalization here in California. Uh, and uh, so it was honoring him and a couple other people, and we catered that dinner. Um, we did a Kiva's 420 event or a Willy Wonka event down here in L.A. for about 150 people. We do a lot of large events. I mean, since I've been doing this, um, I'm going to say, I think we did a calculation where we had to go in front of the uh, Business License Commission here, but um, I have fed over 4,000 people with cannabis total. You have this amazing can of butter and can of oil. Um, and I've been into a bunch of different dispensaries in Los Angeles, and there's always a refrigerated section. Have you ever thought of going into a consumer packaged goods business? Yeah, or- the answer is yes. I mean, and that's why we're doing the culinary cannabis. We're going to have that in market. And, um, we're, we also came up, by the way, with odorless pre-rolls, where when you smoke them using the same basic process, there's no odor uh, to the can. There's no cannabis odor, but it'll taste like, for example, cloves. So remember the clove cigarettes when you were in high school? So you can actually smoke a clove pre-roll that tastes like a clove cigarette, but when you blow out the smoke, there's no cannabis uh, odor and flavor. But And that, and that pack, every pack of, of these clove pre-rolls comes with a whole big side of pretension, right? Yeah, yeah, a whole big side of it, yeah. And we, we do clove, we do lavender, we do cool mint, and now we have a new one called cherry briarwood, which is pretty fun. It's almost like an amazing type tobacco. But going back to your can of butter and packaged goods question, um, we'd love to be able to do that, but the California BCC has carved dairy products out 
of the licensing. So we can't do <laughs> anything that has butter in it at this point. So I can't do can of butter legally. Why did they do that? Uh, no idea. I think they believe it's perishable. Um, there's, a, there's also, you know, ice cream that they're saying you can't do because they don't want cannabis being stored under a certain temperature, like a freezer. Um, cause they don't, I guess they don't know ultimately what will happen to the cannabis, you know, over time as it freezes. I don't know, but I know that uh, products like ice cream, um, have not been approved yet. And dairy products like can of butter have not been approved yet. But isn't there butter in some of the cookies or is it once it's Different. cooked? It's already, oh. once it's cooked, it's cooked, it's fine. Hmm. So can you tell us about Monica's house? I mean, you were granted, um, I guess, one of the first licenses to open a cafe. When is that opening? And So God willing, it's opening uh, this summer. I'm going to say June, but it could be July or August based on permitting. But, you know, we got our license from uh, the city of West Hollywood and the state of California. So, you know, from the Canada side of things, we're good. But now we have to go through the typical build-ups and business permitting and stuff. But uh, it's basically going to be um, a an edibles lounge like no one's ever seen before. The backyard is already done. It looks like an oasis out of Thailand. Um, the whole place is being designed by Thomas Schuess, who designed Tao, um, mm. as well as many other, you know, like, you know, top restaurants all over the world. He's a very famous um, architect designer in the restaurant space. Um, he's also one of the investors in Monica's house, which is pretty awesome. And how is this different than what, you know, what Lowell Farms opened up in, in downtown L.A.? So, so, so Lowell Farms opened up a smoking vaping lounge with food. And the food is not infused. And there's no way to get infused food per se. But as far as what we're doing is we are not going to have an open smoking area. We're going to have uh, cabanas in the back, uh, secret cabanas in the back for celebrities, and a, um, a beautiful outdoor consumption area as well as an indoor bakery cafe. Um, where you'll be able to buy non-infused items and then infuse those items with our culinary cannabis. So our culinary cannabis is basically, you know, you're going to walk in, for example, and order a pizza or a lasagna from um, the restaurant next door. It's called Nora. And Nora is going to be uh, providing fine, casual fine dining food on our menu. We're going to have a vegan restaurant on the Toronto Cross Street Place called Pura Vida that's going to be um, providing vegan uh, food for our guests as well. And then you'll be able to get a pairing alongside that. So, for example, if you got the lemon chicken from Nora next door, you could sprinkle our Rosemary Jane on it and have a Rosemary Jane lemon chicken that tastes like Rosemary lemon chicken. If you got a pizza or lasagna from Pura Vida, um, you could sprinkle uh, a 2.5 or a 5 or 10 milligram packet of our no oregano on top of your pizza the same way that you would be sprinkling it on you know, regular oregano on your pizza if you wanted that to, again, infuse at your level. And the cool thing about this is it's an individualized experience. So if you bought a pizza for you and, let's say, eight friends, and you wanted to infuse at five milligrams, and, you know, Melissa wanted to infuse at 10 milligrams, and your other friends didn't want to infuse at all. You got then, this, you got the order completely wrong. <laughs> I was thinking uh, I knew I did. I knew I did. Uh, I'm more likely right. the 10 milligrams. My friends are going to be the five, and Melissa's going to look at me and just shake her head. <laughs> oh, God bless. <laughs> and I knew I did. That's why I said it. I'm glad I did it. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, you'll be able to just basically dose at your own personal level, and nobody has to be, you know, um, <coughs> Feel like they did or just didn't do, do enough they're doing what they personally want to do and like i said it kicks in very quickly so you'll know just how much you want to do throughout the night so was, with quick i'm sorry with quick onset there's usually also a quicker offset is that part of your experience as well because with edibles I you know <laughs> sorry i'll tell you with this no it's crazy um, i'll tell you the funniest story about this so um about I'm going to say it was two, two months ago, right after I invented this culinary can. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's four months ago because I've had this for about five months now. So right after I invented it, I decided that I was going to try it at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I had to make a presentation for another uh, cannabis business that was going for their license in front of the Business License Commission in West Hollywood at 6.30. So I figured, all right, I'll try a little bit of my oregano in my food at 2 o'clock. You know, I should be fine by about 4, maybe 5, and that would be great for, you know, for this event. Anyway, 5.30 rolls around, and I'm still flying, and I couldn't drive. And the place is three and a half miles from my house. So I called up, you know, a couple of people who are, you know, starting to get in there. And, like, you know, what do you think the schedule is going to be like? You know, you have some time. You have to get to, like, 7, 7.30. I said, great. I walked three and a half miles to the BLC hearing 
And I got there about 10 minutes before I was supposed to go up. And I got up there and I knocked it out of the park. I was flying. And <laughs> when I was on my way out, I literally, the people were, were clapping after I, after I spoke. And on my way out, my business partners from Monica's house said, wow, we've never seen you like that. What was that all about? I said, it's the no oregano. Like literally I was high six and a half hours. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that, that it was does, actually doesn't it was, sound, it was, and it was a good, so, you know, the, the, the chef that, that came to our house and cooked for us likes Gorilla Glue number two. That, that is his mm -hmm. go-to strain. Do you have a go-to strain that you cook with or, you know? I don't. So I you'll don't. just use whatever there is? Yeah, yeah. Based on, you know, what I told you, because I remove all the terpenes and I remove the chlorophyll and the flavonoids, all that's left are the trichomes. So when I pick my cannabis, I pick it based on the ripeness of the trichomes. You know, whether, if the trichomes are you know, um, glassy to milky, it means that they're on the more uplifting side. And if the trichomes are more milky to amber, then it means it's more on the more relaxed side. And I can tell you how it's going to make you feel. But when it comes to flavor profiles, like I said, because you're burning off all of the terpenes and you're going to get that burnt cannabis taste in your edibles, I don't use any specific strain because I take all that stuff out. I, I noticed on your website that you promote the Levo machine. Um, Levo, yes, I love Levo. Levo. I we actually, um, Lewis and I got it as an sent it to friends for a wedding present, and then ended. I ended up trying it and making brownies with it. But you don't. They need, were delicious. They were delicious. <laughs> um, did is it something you, you say it's worth investing in, or can you hold on, is it, Melissa? Explain what the Levo machine is. Well, I think Jeff can explain it better. Jeff, explain what this, this the machine is. The <laughs> machine is an oil infuser. Basically, it's an oil infusion machine. So, um, and I actually developed a hack for that machine is that they're selling off the shelves. We, we can't keep these things in stock. And I'll explain to you what the hack is and what the machine is. So the machine actually takes your cannabis and your oil or butter and you put it into this little receptacle. It's got um, uh, predetermined temperatures and times. So you can set your own temperature and time for a can of oil or a can of butter. But the interesting thing about the machine is that, you know, it keeps everything within, it's, it's all confined to that space. So you're not going to get um, uh, residual cannabis in your butter oil. It's a very clean, a very clean tasting butter oil. The challenge with the machine is that the way the machine is sold, it comes with a pod that you put your cannabis into, then you put that pod inside the receptacle, and then you put your oil in the receptacle. So it keeps the cannabis and the oil separated. And the theory there is for is that the trichomes are going to basically slough off of the plant and come into the oil. The challenge with that is that you only get the outer trichomes, so it's a very weak can of oil or can of butter if you use the pod. So the hack I invented is basically not using the pod, but using a special screen that you put in the bottom of the, um, in the, bottom of the receptacle you just dump your cannabis in there, dump your oil or butter in there, close it up, put it in for two hours at about, you know, 165, 165 degrees, um, and then just let it go for two hours. And in two hours, you have a really nice, potent can of butter or can of oil, a lot more potent than if you use the little pod that comes with it. So, wait, do you, for this machine, do you talk about your hack on your website or? A video online, actually, about the hack. And, um, and that video online, um, it's got a, a ton of views on it. We've, I don't even know how many of these screens we sell. We sell them through my website, actually. Um, they're, they're pretty inexpensive. But it's a really simple thing. It's just, what's, your website, what's your website address? It's uh, jeffthe420chef at audiogist.com. So jeffthe420chef. You are very consistent with your branding, which is excellent. Yeah, it's all, it's all Jeff420Chef. If you want to get a hold of me, just try Jeff420Chef at Gmail. You got me. <laughs> But do you think people should invest in this machine or or just using a French press is just as easy? Can I tell you, I think that the machine is a really, it's, first of all, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful countertop machine. It works so well. And the reason why I prefer it over the French press method is because when I do the French press method, I have to stand there and every 20 minutes keep making sure that that pot of boiling water still has enough water in it and that the water is not boiling out. So it, it requires a lot more of my personal time. But the Levo, I just push a button and I walk away and I'm good two hours later to just strain this great oil out of it. 
and um, and then I'm good to go. That's awesome. So people can get go on your website and purchase. Yeah, they can. You can get a discount code from our website, and then you purchase it directly from Levo. Um, we also have we have the hack on there. We've got a lot of new things that are coming up on our um, shopping page. Actually, all really cool products specific to cooking with cannabis. Do you have a signature dish? It's like if 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 somebody's been to an event that you've catered in the past, and they're going to another one, they're like, "Oh man, he makes the best," whatever that is. What is your what is your thing? The two the two things that get requested most are the hazy Thai wings and the can of apple roses. Oh, I mean, I just did a, I did a baby I did a baby shower for a friend of mine um, for 150 people, and she wanted these blue can of apple roses to do a reveal for oh her God. baby. <laughs> I think you have to do a bris. I think that would be the greatest thing. Everybody, I have. Have a I've, bris. Done, I've done bris. Can I tell you, I've done brisses. I've done uh, uh, Passover seder. Um, oh my I've God, done, that's the best thing ever. I do pot shabbat a lot. I mean, one of my most famous things is doing the pot shabbat. By the way, we just lost our entire audience in the South who has no idea what we're talking about. Well, <laughs> talk about it then. Yeah, I mean, look, can I tell you, I've done Easter dinners. I've done Christmas dinners. You know, I pretty much do everything. But, you know, um, I love holiday meals because you can take holiday staples that people just love. I don't care what it is. For Passover, take matzo ball soup. We have the pot ball soup. As a matter of fact, there's a whole, um, I think it's a Shabbat meal, a pot Shabbat meal in the cookbook. But there's also a Oaxacan fiesta in the cookbook as well. So it really depends on, you know, the type of food you like. But Wait, Melissa, you have this book? I I have it sitting right next to me right now. Oh, my God. You definitely. So, it's, Jeff, you don't know this. And to the audience, they don't know this. My wife is the best home cook I've ever met. Um, so we're going to have to send our kids away for a weekend and you're going to have to cook like a full meal for, for us and some of our friends. Wait, wait, you got to invite me to dinner. I got to come out there. Let's yes. Do it. <laughs> hey, you want to come to New Jersey anytime you are welcome. You know, I'll be out. I'll be out east and I'll be, I'll be in Boston actually in March speaking at the, at the New England food show. But, um, when we're out east, sometimes we take detours. Um, I used to live in New York, so I've got, you know, um, a lot of roots out there. I, I moved here from five years ago from New York to do this legally because I couldn't do it in New York. Do you do um, the fancy food show? Sorry, Lewis. No, no, go ahead. That was a good question. Uh, the, the New England food. It was the New England food show. Oh, uh, do you, but you don't come to New York for the fancy food show? Oh, I do sometimes. Um, I, when is it this year? I don't remember. June. It's usually in June. Um, yeah, we might be there for that. I have to check the schedule, but we, we have been. And do you also do you attend any of the, the, the bigger cannabis shows like the MJ Biz show in Vegas? Yeah, or... sure. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, the MJ BizCon show, um, we were there this past year. You know, we had a lot of meetings that we didn't have a booth there. But the year before, um, I was baking um, at one at, at a booth for I think the name of the brand was Sebeco. They're a uh, culinary equipment manufacturer. Uh, they brought me out there to cook and bake for people at the show. I think I must have made a thousand chocolate chip cookies over a four-day period. It was crazy. Um, you know, there are you you mentioned a few really well-known cannabis brands, including Kiva, and Kiva happens to be my favorite edibles brand. Have you you know this is Melissa and my first collab on a podcast? But speaking of collabs, have you have you explored collaborations with any of the edibles brands in California, whether it be Kiva or Plus or or the you know cookies, any of the other well-known companies out there? So I haven't explored any, you know, retail product collaborations just yet, but I'm really tight with those guys. Um, but what I did do is, for example, the uh, 420 Irish Cream that I told you about, we used Kiva, we used Kiva uh, espresso beans in that recipe. So uh, I do have a lot of recipe collaborations with different brands like Kiva online that you can get. Uh, but I, we haven't done anything specifically branding, co-branding. Uh, Jet the 420 Chef um, with any of those brands just yet. We're focusing right now on our uh, culinary cannabis and odorless smokes and to get that out, that out in the marketplace. Um, but you know, ultimately, I'm pretty sure that we'll have collaborations on other products in the culinary space alongside those brands um, once we get these products in the market. And that's only a matter of you know time. This should be in the market by, I'm going to say, April, May. Um, at the very latest, um, it will be June at our space. But we're uh, working right now on um, moving into a licensed processing facility so that we can do our free leaf 
odorless smokes and our culinary cannabis and test them um, at uh, certain dispensaries here in California before we even open at Monica so, so for the for the odorless smokes, are you working with uh, you know any any well known growers? Are you buying wholesale? Are you growing yourself? How how are you actually getting the cannabis for for the odorless smokes and f- you know for the you know for the the stuff that you're making that is not associated with catering? Yeah, we we have our selected growers. You know that that we're good friends with. We've been friends with these guys for years. Um, once we get up and running, um, we'll be purchasing from them. Um, but again, it's, it's just all about getting the best smalls and uglies, and it's about getting product. It's also we use very low-dose cannabis for this product just to make sure that we can, do, we can dose the culinary, pro, um, culinary cannabis in such a way where it's the perfect amount of spice or herb to a recipe and, and the perfect amount of dosing. So you want to make sure, you know, you, you make sure that your, um, your culinary cannabis is not going to be 200 milligrams a teaspoon. Because then you can barely put anything into your, you know, into your recipe. So we're trying to make it so it's, it's meticulously dosed where a quarter of a teaspoon of this product is five milligrams, for example. So I, I have a question. The, you know, a lot of people would rather just go to a dispensary and buy their edibles. Is What's the advantage? I mean, I personally, I'm a, I like to cook. So I, the process of cooking and infusing it is to me is fun. But in terms of like people ingesting, is there an advantage of of cooking it yourself than just is there a difference? Well, there is. I mean, there's obviously that you know the, the taste, the taste and quality profile of stuff you're going to buy commercially versus the stuff you make at home. But one of the reasons why I was really excited about the culinary cannabis because cooking with cannabis has been really scary. For most people, they don't know how it's going to make them feel. They don't know um, how much to use. They don't know what the percentage of THC is going to be per serving and how their guests are going to feel. So they kind of shy away from it because they're just scared of it. So what I decided to do is make something that helps make cooking with cannabis simple and easy for everyone. So if you love, for example, your favorite pasta sauce, let's say it was your grandmother's recipe, and that pasta sauce requires you know, a teaspoon of oregano or two teaspoons of oregano, and you have our no oregano on hand and you want to uh, dose it, let's say you want to dose it with 20 milligrams of THC, all you have to use is one teaspoon of our no oregano and combine it with one teaspoon of your regular oregano, and you have that same exact sauce with the same exact taste for your homemade recipe. And it completely homogenizes throughout, so you'll know that you've got 20 milligrams, you know, in your recipe, and if you... Divided equally, you would have, let's say, divided equally amongst four people, each person would have five milligrams. So it's a very simple way of cooking with cannabis, which I think will bring cooking with cannabis more to the forefront. So people will be experimenting more and doing more stuff on their own. There's not a whole lot of stuff at these dispensaries. And when you're buying an edible at the dispensary, there's also that cannabis taste. You're not getting that with this. You're really able to make some really amazing food that tastes exactly like it's supposed to and still have it infused with cannabis. And you can do it on your own as opposed to buying something that you have to, you know, pay 40 bucks for in a store. <laughs> so, so uh, Lewis, that would, that oregano will really elevate the meatbelly goodness. Oh my God. Yes, it would. Jeff, you know, the, the, the biggest um, action in the, the cannabis industry is actually around CBD um, because of the, the passage last year, the farm bill, um, you know, the use of industrial hemp has been permitted and there seems to be this mad rush for every single component uh, in the, the grocery store to have, you know, CBD. It's like the vitamin D additive to everything. Are you, are you playing in the CBD space at all, or are you sticking strictly to THC? I'm so happy you asked that question. This is something that, that a lot of CBD companies are starting to realize. The FDA approved a tincture drug called Epidiolex several months ago. When they approved Epidiolex, what that did was that made uh, adding CBD to any food product illegal. It has to be FDA approved and becomes medicinal because they made a medicinal tincture and the FDA approved that. So people that are playing in the space and adding CBD to food products, I mean, there's a a whole directive on it from the FDA saying you cannot do that. But there is no directive saying that you cannot sell, for example, hemp seed. Everybody sells hemp seed. 
hemp seed inherently would have some, some CBD in it, probably very little. On the other side of it, there's nothing saying that you can't sell hemp leaf. And what we're looking at is we're actually looking right now for a business partner uh, to partner up with some CBD space that we can take our P2 where they can actually create a hemp leaf herb product based on our uh, based on our technology here, and you can actually sell a CBD version of the no oregano or the rosemary jane or whatever it is in store, which is pure hemp leaf. There's been no CBD has been added to this product. It's just inherently part of this product, and it's been tested by the lab to have a significant amount of CBD in it with no THC. Or very little, I think it's like less than 0.3% THC. So we're using hemp in order to do this. And um, we're just waiting for that right partner that's a visionary partner that's like, yes, we get it. What you're doing is exactly what we need to get out there. And that will be, just from what what we're seeing here, there's no reason why it shouldn't be able to be sold um, as an edible product. At places like Whole Foods. Yeah, I I mean, I, I believe that when we get federal legalization, any any grocery store you walk into will have, you know, three or four different versions of the same product, you know, virgin with CBD, you know, full spectrum with CBD and THC or just with THC. Um, how are you, but you thinking? But you can't add it to your food. You, can't, you cannot legally add it to food right now. Right now. I'm saying when we have federal legalization, whether it's two years, five years, 10 years. Are you thinking, how are you thinking along the lines of consumer packaged goods? Or is this something that's like, I just want to do what I do and, and just be happy? Not that, and there, let me tell you something, there's nothing wrong with just, just being happy. Yeah, look, for us, I mean, you know, we, we love what we're doing, but I think the more important thing is giving people the actual plant itself instead of an additive, right? So if you can cook with something like, you know, that is inherently has CBD in it because you're actually using the CBD leaf right, the hemp leaf that has CBD, that's the direction we're going. We stay very true to the plant. Um, We don't, just like we don't use additives in any of our products, we don't want our product to be used as uh, as an additive, per se, in another product unless it's a true culinary product. So if someone, for example, were to come up with a um, a pasta sauce, a CBD pasta sauce, right, there should be no problem adding in our our, uh, no oregano because it's hemp leaf even though the hemp leaf just happens to have CBD in it. So yes, the product will have CBD in it, but it's not being infused with crystalline CBD or CBD oil. It's just being seasoned with no oregano, which is hemp that tastes and smells just like oregano. Does that make sense? It does. You're just using real food instead of processed. Exactly, exactly. Real food instead of processed, 100%. So we're looking for partners there, you know, we're looking for brand partners and, you know, the companies that have the visionary perspective that we do to bring that out there into the world. It's a much, I think for us, um, it's just a much more um, true culinary experience than putting a couple of drops of CBD oil into something and saying, hey, it has CBD in it. I have one last question and then I'll let Melissa ask her last question and then we'll let you go because you've been really generous with your time. Um, I, I try and ask all of the guests that come on the green rush, um, a question about failure. Uh, you have become, uh, you know, the, the, the Julia Childs of cannabis, um, in, in large part because you made a, a life pivot. Can you talk about a failure that has helped you become the success that you are? You know, what is that moment? You're like, Oh shit, I really, I really screwed up and this is it. And then you overcame that. You took a life lesson from it, and it made you into the man you are today. Absolutely, I can. I have a very powerful one. I went through a very crazy divorce. And um, I had my own company in the fashion industry. My ex-wife sued me because uh, apparently I did not set up the company properly. And she ended up getting awarded a judgment for every top dollar that that company made, which was way more than I could ever have afforded to pay. And pretty much lost everything, uh, you know, my house and everything. The only thing I didn't lose was my kids and the love of my kids and their support. And uh, now my, my middle son, by the way, Jared, is president of, my, of our company here in L.A. But when I hit that rock bottom place, that judgment came through, I was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, so now the universe is telling me that I'm going to need to make a lot of changes. I had to close down my business, like, literally, like, almost overnight. And my lease was almost up in my apartment in New York, and I had no clue what I was going to do. There was no money coming in. All the money that I had, 
I had to give to her. And at the end of the day, I really had just myself and my kids. So I moved back to LA because um, I figured that's where I could, you know, um, do cannabis. And right around that time is when the article came out, you know, Meet the Joy of Child of Weed and all these other things. And that was, for me, the universe saying, Jeff, we are giving you something now that's going to help get you out of this bind. As long as you're being authentic to who you are and what you do, you're going to make it. And um, everything just started opening up for me. And, you know, the money has not come in, you know, in a major way just yet. You know, we're still building our business, but we've been bootstrapping it for the past seven, seven years now. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, like one of the top cannabis chefs, you know, in the world is, I just won an award, as a matter of fact, from, um, you know, Lyft Cannabis, uh, Canadian Cannabis Awards. And it's setting me up for a much greater um, stage in my life. You know, that was then, this is now, it's all brand new, and I'm grateful for it. I have no bitterness towards it or anything. I just took it and I said, okay, this is what the judgment was, and now it's time for me to, like, you know, get out there and do something else to get back into it. Well, just think if that didn't happen, you might not be Jeff, the 420 chef. I absolutely would not be there. Absolutely not. I mean, this is actually all these things all happened in the right, just they just happened in the right order. And um, the universe opens it up. You know, I mean, I just did what I did, but I got so lucky. You know, I got a cookbook contract from HarperCollins. That was huge. You know, I put everything I could into that cookbook and it became one of the top selling cookbooks on Amazon. You know, it became a celebrity you know, cannabis, like cooking for celebrities, like, you know, we just did the dessert past April, about a year ago, before Kate Hudson's 40th birthday party. And I do a lot of other celebrities that I can't talk about, because we signed NDAs, but with Kate Hudson, E! Entertainment, out of the fact that we did the desserts for her 40th birthday party. So that's pretty huge that we're cooking for celebrities of that caliber now. So, you know, I'm so grateful for it. I have no bitterness or anger or anything towards what happened. It was just, you know, the, the universe saying, hey, we got to get you out of the fashion business and we got to do something drastic. So deal with it. <laughs> so uh, my last question is, um, my listeners, I like to share a recipe or something with them. Is there one that you can share that I can post on the blog that everyone can try out? You can share any recipe from the cookbook that you want. Okay. Is there a favorite that I... Yeah, what's the, what's the one that everybody has to try? I think everyone has to try the Hazy Thai Wings. I think that is one of my favorite recipes of all time in that book. Okay. I love chicken wings and I love, you know, Thai food. And I just, it's a really, really fun, great recipe. I have to tell you, you had me at chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to try the pasta ball soup. I mean, that's actually pretty incredible. You're having just, you know, oh, please. You're getting high from your masa balls. Oh my God! Come on, we have to do that this year, and we we serve a virgin version to the kids and to the adults. It's the infused version. Yeah, do it. Do it for Passover. It'd be amazing. Oh my God! Please, please. We'll have to. We'll have to compare his matzo balls to my matzo balls, though. Okay, I'm down. <laughs> we have to have a matzo, a matzo ball shoot off, huh? Yes. Yes. Well, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for taking the time with us. We. I, yes, I, thank I, you. Really appreciate it, man. I appreciate having you on the show. It was a lot of fun. Actually, you're on two shows, so you're going to get twice the time. You get both shows. They're both a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Our thanks to my wife, Melissa Goldberg, host of the Eat Well, Travel Often podcast. Um, really amazing opportunity to record one of these shows with my wife. Uh, it was so much fun. Um, and, of course, to Jeff, the 420 chef, who you can find eponymously pretty much everywhere on the Internet. Just type in Jeff, the 420 chef. Um, as always, if you want to chat with us, um, with me and with Anne, not Melissa, you can't chat with her through these outlets. You can find us on Twitter with the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. And 
I'm going to bitch about it every freaking time. It drives me nuts that they're not the same. You can shoot us an email at greenrush at KCSA. We're always looking for guest ideas. Melissa didn't send it through that, so that's why it took a while for us to get Jeff on. Um, we're looking for other ideas, feedback, hate mail. Bring it. Donald Trump sucks. Um, the Republicans are, are, are feckless Russian spies. Um, don't forget to subscribe to The Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. And that's one take, Shay. One take.